Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code REDBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. delighted to be back behind the microphone and wanted to take a few moments before we dive into today's feature interview with Father Edwin Leahy to just share a little bit of information about why there's been radio silence for the last month and a half. Many of you who listen to the program regularly know that I've been making regular trips back to Chicago to visit my parents. My mother is in a a very beautiful nursing home um, being cared for for end-stage Parkinson's disease. And my father was living there until COVID and then just recently in May moved in with my sister Erin and her family. So there's been a lot of comings and goings over the last few months. Um, was just there for a few weeks um, to see my parents. Came back home um, at the beginning of August and then Unfortunately, in mid-August, received a telephone call from my sister that my brother-in-law had had a uh, pretty massive um, cardiac event. And so I immediately jumped on a plane and flew back and uh, was there for well over a month. And um, I'm happy to report that David, my brother-in-law, is doing absolutely great. Super, super grateful to everybody who joined us in prayers. And um, he's out of the hospital and now in outpatient rehabilitation, um, doing really, really well. So we're so, so grateful to everybody who's been praying with us. Um, please keep the prayers coming. Um, Mom is still in a really um, delicate phase. And, uh, we continue to pray for her peace and just that, um, when, when God is ready, he will bring her home. And until then, um, that we can love on her as much as we can. So I'm back in LA, back behind the microphone, um, lots of great interviews to share with you, but today's guest, um, brings something truly special. We're going to be joined today by Father Edwin Leahy, who is the 23rd headmaster of St. Benedict's Preparatory School, a wonderful facility um, that is featured in the upcoming um, Quibi short uh, short form series um, that you can get on the Quibi app. This uh, show is executive produced by Stephen Curry, and it's just an amazing look at um, life at St. Benedict's Prep in Newark, New Jersey. And I want to share with the, the trailer with you before we dive into the conversation. Hope you enjoy this chat with Father Edwin Leahy. My whole elementary team, all gang members now. I don't want to do that. St. Benedict's mission is to take young men from diverse backgrounds and provide access to opportunity historically denied to us. People ask me all the time about St. Benedict's, and I say, you know what? We're an advanced placement course in basketball. For me, it's bigger than just basketball. I want to change, like, the way my family lives. 
School is my number one goal. Basketball is my free ticket to go to college. The ones who make it, it's good for them, but the ones who gotta get left on the side, it's disastrous for them. The question is, what do you do when your adversity hits? Do you just sink, or do you rise? It ain't about us, it's about you! Look inside yourself! Well, next up on the podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show um, Father Edwin Leahy. Father Leahy is the headmaster of St. Benedict's Preparatory School. And if you pay attention at all to popular culture, you'll know that he's also one of the main figures in a fantastic new series coming out from Quibi called Benedict Men. It's a documentary that chronicles life at St. Benedict's. Um, there's basketball, there are stories, there's family, there's faith and much much more welcome to the show father edwin Leahy. thank you for for having me well um it's such a treat and i was so engrossed in watching benedict men i have to be honest so i i went to modern day high school i'm thinking maybe we might have occasionally played you in basketball um out here in california but um i didn't know anything about benedict men and i was so once i started watching i just couldn't stop so how did the school get involved with this particular project lisa as as is so often the case with at least with us uh these things happen um by well most some people might say they happen by serendipity uh, i would say they happen because of the holy spirit um this happened because about four years ago in 2016 we appeared on 60 minutes mm-hmm. and uh, uh that was also by the holy spirit but as a result of that we met uh a couple of friends now uh, from uh, a company called Management 360 out there in L.A. Uh, and um, one of our visits out to say hello to Darren and to uh, Eric, um, we met a, a, a man by the name of Mark Chiardi, uh, who was, who is, uh, I think one of the things that he does is the uh, executive produces uh, the various kinds of film and things and um, he turns out he happened to be a friend of our basketball, our present basketball coach. And I guess um, somebody came up with the, with the idea of looking at the school through the lens of uh, the, the basketball team. And Jeffrey Katzenberg was uh, beginning uh, this, this new venture, this Quibi, um, uh, Quick Bites, you know, that's what it stands for. And, uh, he was looking for content. So somehow out there in, in your world, out in California, uh, this thing got put together. And, and uh, I'm not quite sure who got Steph involved, Steph Curry, mm-hmm. but he's been a blessing. I can tell you that. Uh, I've never met him, but just listening to him and his interest in, in, this, in this piece has been a, a great blessing to, uh, to us and I think to the piece. So. It's really um, such an engaging piece of score- storytelling. And even if you're not a, a basketball person, uh, if you're a basketball person, you're going to love all the basketball in it. But the the stories of these young men and their families and the place that is St. Benedict's, it just really sings. And it, it's just such a, a compelling thing. Like I said, get ready to binge. So St. Benedict's has been your home for a long time. Um, how, how have you evolved to the place that you are in the school's history? 
history right now. I guess I'm asking what could be a four hour answer, but (laughs) where do you find yourselves right now in terms of um, what the school is in your community? So I came to school here as a, as a boy, as a, as a 13 year old freshman in ninth grade. And um, interestingly enough, uh, I could take you, if you were here in New Jersey, I could take you to the place in the building where I stood and was the first or second day of school. And as a 13 year old, for some reason, I realized that I was home. I have no idea why that was, uh, but I realized that I belonged here. And um, so then I, I made it known as I got older in, in uh, school here that I was interested in the monastery. And I went to college for a couple of years and then entered the monastery and professed vows in 66, solemn vows in 69, was ordained priest in 72 at, at, the, at, a, at a difficult time in our city and in the country, right? Because in 1967, the, the, uh, the uprising, the rebellion, history, history has reflected on it in a variety of ways, um, it was right in front of us here in, in Newark. Uh, the same thing is going on in the country right now. It's interesting, interesting to reflect on it. So between 1967 and 1972, there was all kinds of civil unrest. Vietnam was, was just cooking at the time, right? And, and the protests about Vietnam were going on and on. And uh, uh, our school began to, because of race and racism, began to experience difficulties. And in 72, uh, the school closed. Uh, and we lost 14 members of our monastic community who left us and went to a monastery about 20 miles west of us in a different environment, right? And uh, so we were sitting here with, with no common work, which makes our life virtually impossible to live because uh, we meet together every five times a day to pray. Right. And we, eat meals to, we eat meals together, and, and so it became virtually impossible. We all wound up taking jobs outside the monastery to try to hold things together and to explore possibilities. So um, uh, it, was a, it was a difficult time. It was an important time, but I'm not sure I'd want to do it again. <laughs> um, and um, so we did a lot of discussing and then talking with people in town here in Newark. And um, we decided to try some kind of an educational venture uh, in, again, about 13 months later. And interestingly enough, uh, we had no intention at all of reopening St. Benedict's Prep, none. Uh, And therein lies another whole story that we could talk about. And uh, because uh, it shows how deep racism is in our in our country, because it would be very easy to say, oh, those people, those those monks that left, even the monks, how terrible left the city and left because the school was becoming more and more kids of color, right? Mm -hmm. Between 60, between 67 and 72. And uh, that would be easy to do. But why those of us who stayed here, all of us who were white, why didn't we want to call it St. Benedict's Prep? (laughs) Did we think, well, they weren't really worthy of what the history of St. Benedict's Prep was? It's interesting, right? To think about. And uh, a little bit embarrassing, I think, too, when you think about it, because, uh, uh, we didn't call it St. Benedict's Prep. It wasn't until one night, about a year or two later, that a parent, his name was Carl Lamb, L-A-M-B, uh, the father of Carl Lamb Jr., who was a student at the time, he said to me, Father Dad, I want to ask you something. Why was it good enough to be St. Benedict's Prep when it was all of you? And now that it's all of us, it can't be St. Benedict's Prep anymore. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I looked at him. I looked at him and I said, you know, Mr. Lamb, I think you just reopened St. Benedict's Prep. Um, and uh, so, so Carl Lamb reopened St. Benedict's Prep. And the important thing about that is what we learned, we meaning the, the monastic community, what we learned is what Bill Wilson already knew, right? Bill Wilson, who, who began Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. uh, uh, these, these self-help groups realized this. What you have to do is take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth, right? <laughs> if, you, if you shut up, shut up and listen, um, you, can, you can learn a lot. And what happened is we learned to shut up and listen. And people in town taught us how we might be able to walk with them through life and to accompany them in a way that might be helpful to them and to us. And that's exactly what's happened over the last 50 years. I mean, they have, the African-American and now Latino community have taught us how we might be able to be of, of help and of service uh, to them. And uh, so we started out in 1973 with 89 students. And I'm sitting here, all uh, the, the tradition of St. Benedict's Prep was, a, was an all-boys school, right? And uh, so we had 89 young men in grades 9 to 11. And as I sit here talking to you now, we have just slightly under 900 uh, students, mostly young men, but a significant population of uh, you know, young women and girls. Uh, the, the young women barged in. If they, they, as as is happening, unfortunately, in the church because of a lack of, I think of a lack of imagination frequently, um, lots of Catholic schools are closing. And we had the experience here late in the spring of of two Catholic schools closing, which cost girls about 230 seats in a Catholic school. So we had a bunch of girls from a, this local girls' academy who um, who connected with our guys and decided that uh, they were going to start a girls' academy here. And then they were, they were nice enough uh, to let me know. Were, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so I tried to throw as much, as many obstacles and as much shrapnel up in front of them as I possibly could, <laughs> but they, they weren't hearing any of it. And uh, I told them we don't have any space. And, oh, let's, let's figure it out. And these kids went to work on this, Lisa. And uh, so now we've got 78 girls in the girls prep division uh, who, as I say, who barged in. <laughs> in, the, who, in let's just face it, Father Ed, they're making the way. place better. So <laughs> I, I just came I just came um, over before I'm talking to you. I came over from working out in our CrossFit box, right? Uh, lifting weights and training. And uh, four or five of the girls were in there with me as I was sucking all the air, all the oxygen <laughs> out of the room. And uh, I was great. It, it's, uh, um, it's been a, a blessing. And uh, we're going to try to grow it and see what happens. It's not a co-ed school. Mm-hmm. The girls had no interest. Nor did the guys have an interest in co-ed. They wanted their own division. Because what's what's kind of unique about us, and I think you see that in the in this series, that the school is run by the kids. Yes. So there's there's a whole leadership structure, and um, what we did, what we wanted to do, and what the girls wanted was their own division. Because if you introduce at this age, I said this once, Lisa, at a meeting with a bunch of adults, um, but the girls are are more 
are, are it's a hard, horrible way to say it, but I'll say it this way. It seemed to be more advanced than the guys at this age. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the leadership structure is so important for African-American and Latino guys, black and brown guys to discover their voice or to amplify their voice. We don't want to create a situation where the leadership gets compromised. So girls are in le- certain leadership uh, positions as well, which will allow the guys to step back yeah. and not take leadership roles. So by by having a girls division and a and a young men and boys division, the the leadership structure is mirrored. The girls have their own leadership structure similar to the guys, and they run their own divisions, and therefore they have to interact with one another to make things happen for the whole school. And uh, so far, so good. Um, That's brilliant. But the complementary of it. Yeah, Let and me- they make any decisions they want to make. But go ahead. Oh, I want to ask you about um, the prospect of opening yourselves up, the trust of the trust that you place in filmmakers, because, um, you know, this is while it's said in a Catholic school setting, you show the diversity of the school, not only in terms of um, the the ethnic makeup of the school, but also, um, you know, many different faith perspectives that are played out here. And you, you also I mean, I was I was it's basketball. So there's a little bit of language in there. For <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to know, like, how um, you feel about, you know, giving that trust to the filmmakers to tell your story and then how it is, you know, to live with it and then to look back afterwards and see the finished product. Yeah, it would have been I think it would have been much, much, much more difficult had we not had the experience of 60 Minutes. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to when you let 60 Minutes in, you have no idea what they're going to do right and uh uh we had a very very positive experience there and because of our kids and the the um the talent and the the leadership of uh, lots of our guys over the last 48 years um we we're not strangers to having cameras on the property um in fact i mean people like jonathan capehart you may see him on msnbc uh as a talking political head um, he's one of our guys. There's this Kevin O'Connor who, who hosts this old house. Mm-hmm. He's one of our guys. So there's, a, there's, there's just been a lot of interest in what we're sadly in one sense. I'm happy that we, the, the interest, but it also shows how little is happening for people of color, especially around the country in a positive way. And uh, that's, that's a big, big, big problem for us as a country. But um so it was much easier. And Jonathan Hawk, who directed it, who is the uh, the filmmaker, is absolutely he's, he's an insightful guy. And I think he told a, a great story. It was accurate. It's what life is like here. Um, and uh, I, I think he did a absolutely terrific job. Now I didn't know that going in, but you, in order to you got to take risks, right? And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were willing to just take one and. Uh, I think he told I think he was pretty accurate in telling the story of the kids. Well, it's a testament to what you've created, too. Um, I guess my last question uh, is is related to, you know, for folks like me who we, we talk about desiring to be allies um, in the journey that our, our country is going through that you mentioned a few times. And it seems to me that one of the great um, traditions of St. Benedict Prep is that, you know, you bring in um, young men like I think his name is Mondani 
family, um, you know, a person yep. who is coming from a very um, challenging background. And, and he says in the piece that, you know, this is his free ticket to an, uh, an education, a college education. Um, and you allow um, through partnerships with a school, somebody like me to become a better ally by partnering with you. Can you say a little bit about opportunities to partner with St. Benedict's Prep and how somebody who believes in the model and the mission of what you're doing might get involved with you? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, we These kids need to be surrounded, surrounded by, by love, right? That's what we're all about. That's, that's, the, that's the, the announcement that the word of God in Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, made, right? He was willing to die on the cross for us, for you and me, as we are, as we find ourselves today. I mean, I know how I am, right? And, and in spite of how I am, the Lord loves me all the way to the cross. And that's what we try to, uh, to communicate. So if people are interested in, in extending that kind of love, all they have to do is get out on our website and, uh, and get in touch with us or call me. You have my number. Give it to anybody you want. <laughs> uh, really? I mean, it's uh, the more people, the, the, the funny thing is, you know, kids grow up thinking their mother and father have to be interested in them. Right. And they think that about their teachers too. They think, Oh, they have to be interested in me. But uh, what other people from the outside show an interest, ah, it, gets, it gets kids attention. So uh, if people would like to do that, uh, just to get in touch, and there, there are obviously a couple of hurdles that you have to go through, depending on how you want to be involved. Um, we have to, um, in terms of being able to protect the kids. Um, right. And we also, uh, I mean, we have to raise $8 million every year to make this thing work. <laughs> and that's because the bulk of your kids are on scholarship and many yeah, they, living they, they, at the well, facility. Yeah, they don't have the money to pay for it. Yeah. So, but the gospel, the gospel isn't isn't supposed to be announced on the basis of who can pay and who can't. So that's the problem. So we're we're trying to announce the good news, and uh, we're not we're, we're not requiring that people have to. If you can't pay, you can't hear it. We're not doing that. So it creates a problem on the financial side. The business plan, Lisa, is dumb. It doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> except except for the last 48 years, we keep being here. So the Lord can make a way where there's no way, right? And uh, I always, I tell, I tell the kids about this all the time. When, when Moses got the people out of Egypt, of course, as soon as they got out, they started complaining. Ah, we were better off back there. You know that story. <laughs> we all do it. We all do it. And they got, they got Pharaoh decided this was a horrible mistake. What the heck did I do? So he decided to go after them. So now they got Pharaoh chasing them from the back, and they got the they meet the water in front of them, and they stopped right, and and Moses hearing all these complaints, he turns to God and he said, "What did you do to me? Why did you bring us out here to just to leave us?" And God says to Moses, "Tell the don't stop. Tell the people to go forward, and you take the staff and extend it over the water." And I could just see Moses saying, oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, yeah, I got Pharaoh about a half a day behind me. This is going to be great. I sent the staff over the water. All right. But it wasn't until they went forward that the way was open for them. Right? And, and uh, that's what we're just trying to do, to keep going forward. So if people want to go forward with us, um, get in touch. And what's really important to understand 
is this is about faith, about about proclaiming faith to young people. It's not about religion. Right. We kill each other. We kill each other in this country over uh, in the world over religion is a big difference between religion and faith. Faith is about a relationship with the mystery of divine love. That's what faith is about. The, re- the religion comes later as a way of organizing that faith in a group of, uh, in, in a community, right? But, but when you get stuck on the, on the rules and lose sight of the relationship with, the, with God, with the mystery of, of divine love, then you, we get in trouble. So that's why Madani can be here, and that's why we can have a huge Muslim population, why we have relationships in Israel, why we have relationships with Muslim schools in the U.S., why we have relationships with Jewish academies in the U.S., uh, because it's important for young people to understand each other's reality and to each other's st- understand each other's sufferings. There's a famous story told by Jews of two Jewish men talking to each other, and one says to the other, uh, Irv, do you love me? And Irv says back to Moish, Moish, you know I love you. And Moish says, do you, know, do you know my suffering? And Irv said, no, I don't know your suffering. And Moish said, well, how can you say you love me? And until we can be, appreciate the sufferings of the other, we will have problems, and we get less and less and less able in our own country to understand, less and less interested in understanding the sufferings of the other, which is why we're in the mess that we're in right now. And that mess, I believe, will get worse if we can't turn that around and begin to understand each other's reality and each other's sufferings. And that's what we're trying to to help these kids to understand by creating relationships in as many places around the world and in this country as we can. So if people have ideas, Get them to us. We're happy to partner. We work. Our kids have, have, have kind of transported our leadership structure to schools in Milwaukee, to schools in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we, we turn these. Don't do for kids what kids can do for themselves, Lisa. Awesome. Don't do for kids what kids can do for themselves. If you turn a bunch of young people loose with the, with the right motivation and with, with the desire to announce the good news of God's love, then the God will do the rest. Yeah, stand back and watch it happen. It's such a great story. Um, Our guest today has been Father Edwin Leahy. Definitely check out Benedict Men out right now on Quibi. It's it's reason alone to get the Quibi app. And um, Father Edwin, thank you so much for your time. And especially thank you for um, inviting us to be a part of this mission. God bless all the great work you're doing. I'm happy to be able to do it. And I thank you, people in in journalism and, and communications are critical to us in this country right now, and you're not highly appreciated. In fact, just the opposite frequently happens. So I'm grateful for your work. Thank you. Well, friends, that's it for this week's episode. Be sure to check out Benedict Men on Quibi. Come on over to lisahendy.com for our show notes, which will include information about how you can personally connect with St. Benedict's Preparatory School and their great mission, and how you can check out Benedict Men on Quibi. We'll see you next time. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? 
No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app. Slash breadbox.